This is the Sideline Dissident Podcast, coming to you from YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker. You can follow me on Twitter, at the Brad Whitaker. I am the Brad Whitaker. We got a new week. Another week of football is on the books. Thanksgiving's over. We're officially into the final stretch of the regular season, and a lot of intriguing storylines heading into the final, let's say, what, third of the season. Very exciting. Uh, I'm actually going to talk about two teams I haven't really talked about much at all. Uh, I'm going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers, Colin Kaepernick, also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, winners of three straight. Who would have thought that would happen? Uh, But first, have to start with who else? The quarterback I've been obsessing over for about four or five weeks now. I wasn't convinced. I wasn't convinced a few weeks ago that he would be the MVP, but I thought he definitely had a decent shot at it. I thought he was probably the front runner, but who would have thought he would perform this well this season? Derek Carr now has the Oakland Raiders at an incredible spot here late in the season. And what he did yesterday against the Carolina Panthers, you know, I don't care about his stats, I don't care about his numbers or any of that. We all know he came back from injury. I didn't think he was going to be able to do that. Okay, if you didn't watch the game, let me fill you in. So what happened? Oakland builds up this big lead on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I said going in, hey, this might be a game that Carolina is able to steal, and Oakland didn't look like that early on. Uh... Carr was locked and loaded. Panthers couldn't do much. The Raiders' defense, they keep improving every week. They were getting to Cam Newton. It looked like it was going to be a blowout. But then, Derek Carr dislocates his throwing pinky. Which isn't a big deal if it's on your non-throwing hand. But it's a big deal if it's on your throwing hand. Try throwing a football with your pinky up. There's a reason British people don't play football. It's because they throw like that. It doesn't work. So what happens? Derek Carr dislocates his pinky. If you haven't seen the video highlight, go back and look at it. It looks absolutely disgusting. I'm sitting there going... I mean, I'm watching the Patriots game, but I'm tuning into the Oakland game while it's happening. And once I saw Carr left, I said, Alright, well, it was fun for Oakland. This was a fun run. I didn't expect to see Derek Carr on the field for three games. Carr simply just gets his finger popped back into place in the locker room, puts on a glove, and comes back out. And he's behind center again. The crowd gives him a big hand. Of course, the Carolina Panthers have already started their comeback. Carr throws the first throw. The Raiders aren't able to, to score on that first drive. Carr comes back. But doesn't look any different. Oakland gives up the lead. Panthers start rolling a little bit. And then, of course, Derek Carr comes in, leads his team on a comeback, converts the two-point conversion, tie game. Uh, Panthers have the ball. They're moving the ball okay. They've had, they've had some consistency problems we know this season. They're probably not going to make the playoffs after their loss yesterday, but the Panthers were moving down the field. Oakland looked tired. They had the ball on their own 40-yard line, fourth and one. Three minutes left in the game. 
And what does head coach Ron Rivera do? He chooses to punt. Give the ball back to the Oakland Raiders. Three minutes left. Tie game. And then, of course, Derek Carr leads his team down the field. Big throw to Crabtree. His fourth game-winning drive just this season. Raiders move on. They're well on top in the AFC West, especially uh, after the Denver Broncos lost yesterday to the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Chiefs are in great position. I'll talk about that another day. But right now, just talking about the Raiders, they didn't give the ball to Newton to try to win the game. Fourth and one, three minutes left, they chose to punt. Derek Carr, fourth game-winning drive this season. Just to give you some perspective, Cam Newton... Last year's MVP, not trusted enough by Ron Rivera. Not enough to run a QB sneak. They'd rather give the ball back to Oakland, even though clearly that offense is one of the best in the NFL, as we've seen, and one of the most complicated in the NFL. Raiders don't get enough credit for how complex that offense is, too. Chuck Pagano would have gone for it. Fourth and one on their own 40 with a backup quarterback and a beat-up offensive line. Listen to my podcast from Saturday. I railed on Chuck Pagano. He has a, so many injuries. He has a backup quarterback in there, a weak offensive line, no receivers, depleted running game, old running game. <laughs> and he's still taking those fourth down chances in the red zone. Ron Rivera has last year's MVP. He's on the 40-yard line. And he decides to punt it. Fourth and one. You have Cam Newton. You go for the QB sneak. So with that in mind, last year's MVP not even trusted to go for it in that situation. Derek Carr comes in, playing through injury. Courageous performance, as you can see by the headline if you're watching the video version of this. With that in mind, he won the MVP award yesterday. He beat the man who won it last year. Look, I think Tom Brady, if he had 16 games this season, he probably would run away with the MVP. No question. And look, you can make an argument for Matt Ryan. Perhaps same with Matt Stafford, although a little less. Maybe uh, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, but we all know the offensive line. It's kind of split three ways there. Derek Carr, now he has a good O-line. He has two great receivers. Okay, running game. But what he did in that situation, getting hurt, coming back, look, his numbers are already MVP caliber. But what he did yesterday against Carolina, against the quarterback who wasn't trusted, that won the MVP last year, everyone's still giving Cam Newton excuses. Watch Derek Carr. He has, he slings the ball like Brett Favre. He reads defenses like Tom Brady. And he's able to escape pressure and make things on his own like Aaron Rodgers. That's your MVP right there. No question. So, uh, I, I had the chance last week, I got to, uh, head to San Francisco, actually, Santa Clara, which is really like in Silicon Valley, 
I saw the my Patriots play the Niners, and uh, I came in expecting a blowout, and basically what I saw, the Vegas actually got the pick right. I think it was a 13-point victory, but um, I quickly noticed the problem with that team isn't the offense. It really isn't. I mean, there it's certainly that offensive line needs work. It's one of the worst in the NFL. It really is. But, I mean, look, ever since Colin Kaepernick took over the starting job in Buffalo, he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been awful. And look, before I start analyzing this Niners team, let me just say, I couldn't possibly care less about Colin Kaepernick's opinion on Fidel Castro. I really couldn't care less. I don't know why the media cares. It doesn't matter. It, 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 you see this stuff all the time. Professional athlete says something out of place about something not related to sports. It's either funny or polarizing. People freak out. Look, Colin Kaepernick is not the person you go to to hear an opinion on Fidel Castro. It just isn't. So stop with this headline. Let's talk about football. The San Francisco 49ers offense is actually not that bad. They really aren't. Look, Colin Kaepernick's not the problem. He doesn't have horrible receivers. I really like Carlos Hyde. I'm not saying Cap should get a pass. I'm not saying he should be in the clear and pick up that option next year and be guaranteed a starting job. But I'm saying let's keep an open mind to it at this point. Niners fans, what you really should be focusing on is that defense. That defense was atrocious yesterday. Now, I understand they were without Aaron Lynch and Quentin Dial, but look, during their 10 losses this season, they won the first game this season. Defense looked great that game for some reason. Of course, they're against the Rams. Uh, But during their 10 losses, their last 10, 10 straight, eight of those games, the defense has given up more than 30 points. I really, really hope defensive coordinator Jim O'Neill doesn't give up his job, I mean, doesn't keep his job at the end of the season. For some reason, Chip Kelly really seems to like him. How did O'Neill get the job as defensive coordinator for the Niners? Well, he gained his reputation because he was defensive coordinator of Cleveland last year. Cleveland Browns. I know you're like, wow, big deal there. But the Browns last year had the fourth-ranked defense in the league. It's easy to forget. Everyone was saying the Browns suck because they are terrible at quarterback and have no offense, but their defense is pretty good. And as we found out this season, nothing is good on the Browns. But last year, they had the fourth-ranked defense in the league. So I think Jim O'Neill got a lot of credit for that. Chip Kelly saw that, hired him as defensive coordinator. But you know who the Browns also had last year? They had a defensive head coach who was fired, replaced by Hugh Jackson, an offensive head coach. And I think offensive head coaches are what you need in the NFL, at least right now. Clearly, the passing game has accelerated over the last two decades, and offense should be what you look at first. Don't neglect defense, but offensive-minded head coaches are probably the smart way to go in the NFL. So I'm not criticizing the um, Cleveland for picking an offensive head coach, But last year, they had Mike Patine in there. 
a defensive head coach, former defensive coordinator, and they were fourth ranked in the league. Right? O'Neal probably got a lot of credit for that. And that's why he was hired by the Niners in the offseason. But this San Francisco Niners defense is last in the league in nearly every category. And it's not even close. Not even close. Look. Excuse me, my voice is going. We know Gus Bradley isn't going to keep his job in Jacksonville. And nobody gets fired from Jacksonville and keeps a head coaching job somewhere else. So he's going to be looking, you know, I'm sure we'll hear about could Gus Bradley go to college. I don't know what the rumors are there, but I will say he should look into defensive coordinator positions. And the Niners, assuming they get rid of O'Neal, look, I'm not going to put it past Chip Kelly. He seems to really like him. But if the Niners, Chip Kelly's an offensive-minded head coach. The offense isn't playing that horrible. They need He needs to focus on that offensive line the offseason, clearly. But if they could hire someone like a Gus Bradley to be defensive coordinator, that could be enough to turn around the Niners in one offseason. That team is not as large of a debacle as we think they actually are. Now, another question. I'm going to go back to Colin Kaepernick here. Do you stay with him? You know, the Niners aren't going to make the playoffs this year. So, yes, you should be thinking ahead to next season, even right now. Do you stick with Colin Kaepernick? I say if he keeps playing the way he does, and he's getting a little better every week, then, yes, you stick with Colin Kaepernick. He's the kind of quarterback that would thrive under a head coach like Chip Kelly. He's perfect for that system. Now, don't get me wrong. Cap needs to make some changes. Clearly becoming a vegan in the offseason was a dumb decision. You saw him at training camp. He came in looking like me. He came in looking like a cross-country runner, not an NFL quarterback. Look, I'm not saying you can't be a vegan and a star NFL player. Look, Nate Diaz in the UFC, he's a vegan. But he clearly is smart about it, you know, I mean, he eats the right food, he does the right training, does a lot of cardio, does a lot of triathlons. He's a great fighter. He's able to be a vegan and still keep on the weight because he's smart about it. He has sports nutritionists working on his side to make that work out. That's not what we're seeing from Colin Kaepernick. Look, if you want to make a political stance and become a vegan, then do it, but be smart about it. If not, go to KFC. Okay, don't go to KFC. That's not the best pro team, but you know what I mean. And I and look, Kaepernick probably needs an attitude adjustment. I Again, I'm not going to comment on his opinions on Fidel Castro or kneeling before the national anthem, but those would be distractions if the Niners were a winning team. And I'm not saying that's preventing the Niners from winning football games. It's not. But... If you watch that game against Miami, Colin Kaepernick was a yard away. It was like the Titans in the Super Bowl. He was a yard away from tying the game. That's all. That's it. All right? Miami's playing well, and winning in Miami is difficult. The Dolphins have won six straight, and the Niners, their defense looked atrocious. They made Ryan Tannehill look amazing, although a few teams have this season. But... I don't think Kaepernick's the issue. 
You may disagree with his political stances, but look, the Niners got great receivers. They got a solid running game. Carlos Hyde is as much of a wide receiver as he is a running back, and they've done a great job at utilizing that these last couple of weeks. And Kaepernick, look, he's just lacking the size and the strength. We know he can be a great quarterback. We've seen it before. It was, what was it, five years ago, every general manager was saying, if I were starting an NFL team from scratch, I would pick Colin Kaepernick. I was saying the same thing. He just needs to put the weight back on. He doesn't have the zip on on his throws he once had. His accuracy is a little off, but, I mean, he can turn that around. I don't see why not. It's not like he's a different person. He's, he's certainly out more outspoken, but I'm sitting here talking about football. And if the Niners are going into the offseason, and they're sitting there going, all right, they're probably going to have the second pick in the draft. If they picked a Sean Kaiser of Notre Dame who makes terrible decisions, right? He's There aren't that many great quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson probably is going to the Browns, okay? I think that's going to happen. The Browns are going to keep losing. Chances are. So, look, you if you're a Niners fan, I, I don't think it's a bad, big deal to stick with Kaepernick. Draft an offensive lineman or a linebacker or a defensive tackle. Don't sit there and draft a quarterback. I think, look, Chip Kelly has the almost has the offense he needs. He just needs more protection for his quarterback. And Kaepernick's playing better. All right, let's not dismiss him because he seems to piss everyone off, even liberals. So uh, I'm going to wrap today up talking about a potential sleeper team in the NFC. Look, it's going to be hard uh, for a team outside of the NFC East to make the playoffs as a wild card because every team in the NFC East is good this year. Um, And the Tampa Bay Bucks certainly have a ways to go if they want to be able to win the NFC South, especially because... Atlanta isn't falling off a table this year like I thought they would, like they did last season. Um, but Tampa Bay Bucks, they've won three straight games now. And uh, I, look, I thought, I you could have argued after last week that it was a fluke. Uh, they blew out the Bears uh, two weeks ago. Uh, they won at Arrowhead last week. You could have said that was a fluke. But then defeating the Seattle Seahawks, who really are getting their crap together over the last few weeks. They beat the Patriots in New England. Seahawks, just as they've done the last couple of years, seem to, you know, at the end of the year, they st- they stumble out of the gate, but they pull it together, and then they're a contender in the NFC. It looked like that, and the Tampa Bay Bucks beat them. I mean, it was a home game, but they beat them. Tampa Bay's defense looked like Seattle's defense out there. And granted... The Seahawks don't have the greatest offensive line. It's a work in progress. Um, and, you know, when they beat the Patriots, they were going up against a weak pass rush. And Tampa's pass rush looks pretty great. And they set a season high uh, yesterday. They sacked Russell Wilson six times. 
And their offense looks pretty decent too. I mean, they're not they're not scoring more than 30 points every week. But did you see Mike Evans? He kept burning Richard Sherman on every play. But here's what I think is what is most impressive about the Bucks. And this is what this is a sign of mature NFL football teams. And I know okay, I'm, I bring the Patriots up all the time. And if you're not a Patriots fan and you're listening to this, you're probably annoyed with me at this point. But something I've seen from the Patriots, something I've seen from the Seahawks, something I've seen from these good NFL teams that are consistent year after year, week after week, is they make adjustments in the second half. And those adjustments are successful. That's what Tampa's done. Their last three games, I think they've allowed seven points total in the second half. That's it. And as for Jameis Winston, look, there was a lot of criticism before he was drafted about attitude issues. You know, where is he going to be disciplined? Where is his focus at? But clearly, it's worked out. Or it's been working out. It's amazing where his focus is at when he has the money to buy crab legs. You give Winston a little bit of money, he can focus on the things he wants. No no more stealing crab legs. He get he get all the crab legs he wants, sit in that film room and study. And then, and I think that's what he's doing. What you hear from members of the Bucks organization, there's still this reputation nationwide that Jameis Winston is like this lazy quarterback. He's not a leader. You ask anyone in the Bucks organization, this they'll say Winston is the first one at the facility every day. He's there at 5 a.m. Every single day. You watch these locker room pep talks. They're always led by Jameis Winston. And they say he's the hardest worker on the team. We, we did know that he has a tremendously high football IQ. His ceiling is higher than most people think it is. And it's funny that... Look, I love Marcus Mariota. I think he might even be a step ahead of Jameis Winston at this point. But Mariota's been the one that's been getting all the attention because he's very good. He's never thrown an interception in the red zone. He almost always throws a touchdown when his team makes it into the red zone. He also has a great running game to balance off. But Tampa... Look, it's also easy to forget. Their offensive line is getting better, and they didn't have Doug Martin for most of this season. I'm not a big running back guy. I think running back is an overrated position, but Doug Martin is a productive player. And even if he's not having a productive game, teams still have to adjust to that. They have to prepare for that. And when you add him out there, it's just another variable defenses have to judge. And Jameis Winston, he's able to close games now. Tampa... Look, it's still very difficult for them to make the playoffs. I think ESPN, their FBI, gave them a 15% chance of making the playoffs right now. At 6-5. and five. They have a 6-5 and five record. But I don't see why they couldn't do it. I really don't. Schedule could be problematic. I think that's why their chances are so low. They're at San Diego, home against New Orleans, at Dallas. That's going to be a tough one. At New Orleans, and home game against Carolina to wrap up the season. The Panthers will have given up on the season at that point, so that'll be an automatic win. I think they already have given up on the season. Look, Atlanta, the Falcons at 7-4, they're the biggest roadblock for the Bucks. 
and it's going to be uh, very difficult for Tampa to get a wild card spot, but they do have an outside shot. Look, the New York Giants are eight and three. They're that number one spot in the wild card. I think we'll assume the Cowboys will win the NFC East at this point. Giants are eight and three. They're a non eight and three quality football team, and they still have to play every divisional po- opponent at least once and Pittsburgh. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants fell off a cliff. So it's possible the Bucks could catch them. Minnesota six and five. They're another wild card team. They're tanking. Washington. They're six four and one. They're in reach. Still an NFC East team. All those teams are going to beat up on each other before the end of the season. Alright, here's Atlanta's schedule, though. If the Bucks do want to win the division. They have... Let's see. The Falcons, they... They beat Tampa Bay twice this season. They scored 38 points in Arizona's defense. But they have... Kansas City Chiefs, they're at the LA Rams, home against the Niners, at Carolina, and then home against New Orleans Saints. It's a f- relatively favorable schedule. So again, it's very difficult for the Bucks to make the postseason at this point, but that defense, if there's anyone, if there's anyone that's capable of stopping some of the best offenses in the league, and they're going up against Dallas, they're going up against New Orleans, They're going up against San Diego. Not a great offensive line, but great quarterback. I I think the Bucs could do it. Let's see if they can ride this win streak. It will certainly be fascinating. Make sure to watch out for Tampa these last few weeks. Yesterday was a statement game against Seattle. And not to take anything away from Marcus Mariota, but we should start focusing a little bit more on Jameis Winston right now. So that's it for today's podcast. Uh... I'm, I'm off tomorrow. I'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, Going to be a bit fragmented in my episode these next few weeks. I have finals coming up. I'm, I'm an MBA student. Uh, so I have a lot going on. But, uh, yeah, I'll see you on Wednesday. Goodbye, everyone.